0: Uh, We left off on last week talking about generosity helps us invest in what matters. I've discovered that a lot of times uh, we as Christians don't invest in what matters. Because God wants to use us. He wants to use us as believers to be a blessing to others in their life. And I think Scott referenced it. It's more than just financial. It's about giving our lives away. That's what Paul said. Paul, when he was talking to one of the church, he says, "I shared my very life with you." Now, when you think about that, when he shared his very life with them, that meant that 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 he gave of himself. Not only did he just preach to them, but he did life with them. So, the text generosity helps us invest in what matters. Matthew the sixth chapter. Are y'all still with me today? Matthew chapter six, and let's let's start at. Uh, but i tell you. Well, let's, let's start at verse number 19. Verse number 19. Text says don't store up. Can we read together? Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Next verse. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse number 21. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. Will also be. And we, I shared with you on last week uh, how it was. It, there was a, there was a undisputable connection between how our hearts and minds are relative to uh, materials, possessions and finances and our spirituality. You cannot separate the two. Can't get a witness, and I and I, I will. I can go back and regurgitate all those scriptures, but you go back and, and, and check it out. Jesus constantly, even when he met with Zacchaeus, the thing that 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 illustrated that Zacchaeus had a heart change was first and foremost when he said, "You uh, know, if I stole him from anybody, I'm gonna pay him back four times what I stole from him." And he he dealt with his his material mindset, and that because where a man's treasury is truly is where his heart will be also. So when we look back at this, guys, I want to share with you uh, how how crucially important it is for us as a church to get our focus on a a spirit of generosity because God wants to use us to be a blessing to others. I I think about, uh, and and I want you to turn with me, uh, this is not on your notes, but turn turn with me to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. The Apostle Paul (laughs) talks to the church at Corinth. Because how many of y'all remember the church at Corinth was a very carnal-minded church? What what does it mean to be carnal-minded? They were very worldly. They were very um, uh, fleshy, if you will. How many of y'all have had a time in your spiritual walk where you were a little fleshy? All right, I need some hands raised. I need some witnesses. This is a a participatory uh, sermon. This is a call and response. How many of y'all have been fleshy before? Had a little cuss in you. Had a little envy in you. Had a little selfishness in you. And if you're not careful, even now while you're studying the real God and, and you went through all these studies, that flesh will rise up even today. The Corinthian church was a very fleshy church. And child of God, I I pray that that EBC not be a I pray my my constant prayer is that we not be fleshy, that we be spirit minded. So Paul is writing here to Corinth, which I would I would say is the fleshiest of the fleshiest churches. That when you look at his writings in the in the uh, uh, in the New Testament, he talked about them. He says, I can't talk to you about spiritual things because you can't understand them. Because they are spiritually discerned and when you're carnal minded or worldly minded, you can't understand the things of God. But let's go to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. start at verse number 1, okay? And I want to I just kind of walk through this and we'll get back and, and continue to talk about what it means to, to, to invest in what matters. To invest in those things that are eternal. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Now again, who's he write, who's writing? Who's he writing to? And what do we know about the church of Corinth? They were fleshy. Look at your neighbor and say, they were fleshy. Next verse says what? Let's go. They, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Now who's he talking to, about right now? The Macedonian churches, Okay they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But look what Paul says. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has what? Overflow and rich generosity. See, again, your financial state, in in, in a way, and when I say that, I mean how much money you have according to world standard. That does not mean, even if you're on the lower end, that does not mean that you can't be generous. Are y'all following with me today? Let's keep moving. Watch this. He says, "What? for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Now, can I stop here and and, and kind of give some context for the text? Because if you don't understand the context for the text, then confusion will reign in your understanding of that text. Y'all with me? The Corinthian church had made promises regarding the giving of an offering to the poor churches in Jerusalem, but they had failed to follow through and keep their promise. After all, they what? Fleshy. That's what fleshy people do. Fleshy people say they're gonna do stuff and then they don't do it. Am I right about it? So, so so but so what was the cause of the delay in their giving? Well. I will tell you, the low spiritual level of the church was the cause for them not following through. When a church is not spiritual, it's not generous. I need you to repeat that with me. Say, when a church is not spiritual, it's not generous. Let me take it a step further. When an individual is not growing spiritually, he's not generous. I got to back up and say it again. When the individual is not growing spiritually, he's not generous. Paul used nine different words to refer to the offering, but the one that he used the most was the word grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. Giving is truly a ministry and a fellowship, and that, that helps others, but the motivation must be from the grace of God in your heart. Because it's too easy to get... Built up, it's too easy to get sidetracked. It's too easy to begin to trust in uncertain riches, right? Because how many of y'all know, guys, uh, money, the value of money changes on a daily basis. And what you can buy with a dollar today, you won't be able to buy with a dollar a year from now. As a matter of fact, how many of y'all go to the gas pump and shake your head and go, Lord, have mercy? (laughs) How many of you SUV drivers have rolled up when the gas is 450 a gallon and had to fill up? It almost makes you want to start crying, don't it? But like I told you before, when I took a picture of that, of that, of the, uh, I think I filled up, and I, I don't ever normally do do this, let my tank get down to almost empty, because I don't like to see that ninety eight dollars I had to put in there. It just does something to me. But, but but guys, the value of money changes. That quarter that I used when I was a kid, and where's Gary Johnson? Gary, we used to go down to B&B Shopping Center and riding our bicycles, those, those bicycles that we had modified, right, Gary? How many of y'all ever made a chopper out of a regular bicycle? Let me see the hands of somebody. Some, y'all young folks don't know anything about that? Any of y'all ever made you a chopper? You know what a chopper is, right? Go look it up. And we would ride ride those bikes down to the B&B shopping center and take that quarter in there and buy a 16-ounce drink drink in a bag of potato chips for that one quarter. But how dare I dare say that if I went to uh, Brookshire's right now with a quarter and pretended to buy a 16-ounce drink in a bag of potato chips, they would run me out of that place. Same quarter, but the value has diminished over time. There's something that's called inflation. And inflation, when inflation hits, the value of things go up. Mareri and I have been uh, was kind of walking around, not walking around, we've been driving around looking at land just, just because there's some things that we believe that God's telling us to do. And we, 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 we have been amazed and somewhat flabbergasted at the value of land in North Bosch Parish. Uh, What we paid for our half acre 20 years ago is significantly less than what they're asking for a half acre today. But that's the result of inflation. The cost of things go up. So the value of money, that's why you don't trust in uncertain riches, guys. Don't trust money, the value of money changes. But guys, listen to this real quickly. Grace giving, grace giving. Uh, One of the things I've said before, I I shared with you guys uh, several years ago that, you can tell when our giving is motivated by grace when we give in spite of circumstances. And that's what's happening to the Macedonian church. Go back to verses one and two again because I want you to get the context, okay? Listen to what he says here. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, he's right into the fleshy church. The church at Corinth, where there was arguing, there was fussing, there was fighting, there were members who were lining up behind certain individuals. I'm of Apollo's. I'm of Paul. I'm not coming to the revival if Paul ain't preaching. Or can we bring it to modern day terms? I'm not coming to, to, uh, to the revival if, if, if Robert Jeffress is not there, Robert Morris is not there, or T.D. Jakes is not there, or Tony Evans is not there. You mean Doyle Adams is preaching it? We hear him every Sunday. But what if the Lord has a word from Doyle Adams for your present day situation? Are y'all with me today? So, so that's what fleshy people do. They can't receive the message unless it's from somebody who they like or somebody who they're accustomed to listening to. But I will tell you, God can use a donkey to deliver a message. Can I get a witness? So, 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 so and I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness have done through the churches in Macedonia, verse number two, let's go. He says, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. The Macedonian churches that Paul was using as an example had experienced severe difficulties, and yet they had given generously. Again, when you experience the grace of God in your life, you won't use difficult circumstances as an excuse for not giving. In other words, you'll give at the level that God has blessed you with. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. Come on. So we get, we, we know we're giving by grace when we give in spite of circumstances, when we give enthusiastically. Because, guys, enthusiastic giving means that I understand it and I do it not because somebody put pressure on me to do it, but I do it because I am thankful for God being so good to me. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more but far more, and they did it out of their own free will. They were not pressured. Look what the next verse says this. They begged us, man, I pray for the day when I can come to church, and y'all say, pastor, I know the service is over, but please, pastor, please, let us give. Take up an offering. Get the ushers out and pass the buckets. And y'all remember the passing bucket days? The Bible says this. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Do not miss this. They begged us. Paul said they begged us. Who did it? The Macedonian church. Now Paul is using them to talk to the fleshy church. Hello? Because the fleshy church has said, we're going to support, but they hadn't followed up on what they said. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift For the believers in Jerusalem, all right, verse five, read it. It says what? They even did more than we had hoped for. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. Now, do not miss what Paul says here. Now, the apostle Paul, in operating in his apostolic authority, had responsibility for several churches that he would visit and he helped establish. But I want you to notice what he says here. He says, they even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. I will submit to you that you will never give enthusiastically of yourselves or your financial resources if you don't first give yourself to the Lord. Are y'all with me? <laughs> For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. But notice what Paul also says, and to us, and to my apostolic or my, my spiritual covering. They gave themselves to the Lord and to their spiritual covering just as God wanted them to do. So God wanted them to give themselves to him and to their spiritual covering. And that's that's a key thing, because we have Christians nowadays who feel like, well, you know, uh, I, I know I'm a member of that church, but you know what? I, you know, the pastor is just a man like I am. And, uh, you know, he, I, if I want to do it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. And no man will tell me what to do. Y'all don't want me to go back to Hebrews again, do you? And we're going to study the book of Hebrews in the fall. But Hebrews, the 13th chapter says, obey those who have the rule over you spiritually and, and, and obey them. Obey them because they're watching for your soul, and they should not do it with grief, because it's not profitable for you. And I'm not saying it to be a narcissistic pastor, because God knows. I hope you know by now that, I'm a, I'm, that, that, that it's not. It's, it's never about me. But I'm talking about respect for and and honoring the pastoral position, because God gave the pastor uh, to the church to feed him with knowledge from on high. So it's important for us as believers to understand and respect that because Paul says here they gave them their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. And when I say that, guys, I always tell you to be like the the, 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 the men of Berea, the people of Berea. Who searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not what the apostles were telling them was actually true. I'll always challenge you to go back and search what I'm telling you to see if it lines up with God's word. And all I ask you to do, if it's truth, do it. Don't argue, don't fuss, don't be sitting at home having a debate whether or not you're going to be obedient to what God clearly has shown in His word. But these Macedonian believers, Paul bragged on them. I say he bragged on them, he used them as an example for the fleshy church to learn about the spirit of generosity. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. The Macedonian church didn't need any prompting or reminding about the offering like the church of Corinth. They were more than willing to share. As a matter of fact, they begged to be included. That's what verse 4 tells us. Their giving was of grace and not of pressure. I can't stand pressure giving because we give out of pressure. That means that, that, that really you're probably not giving in faith. You're only giving because somebody put you on the spot. And I would, as your pastor, I want to teach you about the spirit of generosity. I want to teach you about what the Bible says about giving and finances so that you can, you can give in an informed manner and not a pressurized manner. Is that, does that make sense? Is that fair enough? Because it does take money to do ministry. Y'all know that, right? It does take money to do ministry, right? I don't think y'all understand. Hey, go go turn that off, y'all. Turn that off. I'm just joking. Do you not realize that it costs money to have that acoustics blowing strong, right? Do you not realize it takes money for these lights to be on? Yes. Then I realize it takes money to do a whole lot of things in ministry. So I don't apologize for teaching on giving, but I teach it. I hope you understand that I'm trying to teach it from a spirit of generosity so that it's not something that you pressure to do, but you do it because you're an informed believer who know what the will of God is for your life. All right, because you cannot ignore this ministry area to the detriment of these other areas. Here's, here's what the Corinthian church problem was. They were flowing in spiritual gifts. Tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, they were a church that was, was, was endowed with many spiritual giftings from the Holy Ghost, but they were ignoring this ministry gift, which is the ministry gift of giving. And so Paul begins to, to, uh, to talk to them about their, 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 their mindset, their, their way of thinking. Their giving was Uh, the the Macedonian church was of grace and not pressure. They gave because they wanted to give and because they had experienced the grace of God. See, grace not only frees us from sins, but it frees us from ourselves. And I'm so thankful for that. Amen. The grace of God will open your heart and your hand. I'm going to repeat that. The grace of God will open your heart and your hand. Are y'all with say the grace of God will open my heart and my, hand. and my hand. Let's look at an example of where the grace and mercy of God were trampled upon by his people. Go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 and let's look at verses 4 through 7 and then we'll skip down to 10 through 11. Say the spirit of generosity. Say I need to operate under the spirit of generosity. Psalm 78 look at verse number 4. He says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Verse five, for he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to the children. It is critically important that you teach the faith walk to your children. Ultimately, they have to decide to accept Jesus for themselves but while they are under your tutelage, then you are responsible for nurturing and the, bringing them up in the nurture and the of the Lord. Children should not run the house, but parents should run the house as they are spiritual leaders of that house. Can I get a witness? Because children... It, uh, they're, 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 they're in their formative years and they don't have the maturity physically, mentally, or spiritual to be calling the shots. There were times when when, I, when our children were, were smaller. You know, children will always try you. How many of y'all know that's true? Can I get a hand raised? How many of y'all's children tried you before? There comes a point in time in their walk where they're going to they're gonna try to Uh, Seize control, right? They're going to try, they're going to challenge your authority. I just want to make sure my children aren't the only one that did that. Am I, am I, I need, I need some hands raised. How many of y'all children got to the point where like they want to do it? And so you have to step in and say, okay, no, this is how we're going to do life here in, in our house. In the Smith household, the Adams household, the Johnson household, whatever household it was, so, because God has entrusted us with that with responsibility. But I watch this, guys. Listen, and I, here's what I like about the nation of Israel and even the Jewish people today. They, 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 they do a, 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 a stupendous job of passing down what they've learned to the next generation. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. Look at verse six and seven. Let's go, guys. So the next generation might know them. Here's what I'm afraid of, guys. We're living in an era now where parents are not teaching their children the things of God. We've allowed social media. We allowed the computer, the iPad to babysit our children. We've been oblivious to what they're engaged in because we don't have, I'm not saying we, I'm just saying it in general. I'm not talking about any, anybody specifically here. But, but society has, has allowed them to, to engage in stuff and, uh, and, and parents have allowed, let me put it that way. Parents have allowed them to engage in stuff that, that sometimes is to their detriment, but they don't even, parents don't even know what they're doing half the time. If your child stays up in their room all day long, you need to go knock on the door and say, hey, wait a minute, open the door, come on downstairs. We're going to have some family time today and you're not going to stay on that computer all day with an iPad, surfing uh, uh, Instagram, TikTok and videos. Everybody say TikTok. It's amazing at what can capture the attention of people. From, and again, as I always say, Social media is where people are, so, so Christians ought to be in that space, but be in that space witnessing and not being a detriment to the cause of Christ. I don't say throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I'm saying if you're going to utilize it, be there as a, as a positive influence rather than spreading gossip and lies and innuendo. Amen? Fair enough? So next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. Some of our children won't be able to teach their children because we had not taught our children. I'm, in general, okay? What I'm saying is it's important for us to, to as, as believers to be there. Now, go, skip down to verse 10 through 11. Watch this. It says, they did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. Verse 11. This is a psalmist talking. They forgot what he had done the great wonders he had shown them. That's why in Deuteronomy, when uh, uh, the church of Israel were preparing to go into the promised land, in, in Deuteronomy, it's, it's a verse that we quote all the time. says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power the ability to get wealth, so that he may establish his covenant. He's reminding them that when you get to the land of promise, don't forget about who got you there. Can I say it again? When God opens, can I bring it to modern day vernacular? When God opens a door of opportunity for you and you walk through that door, don't you forget that it was the Lord who opened the door for you. Amen. He was reminded them because it's so easy if we're not careful when we get to a place of, of ease, a place of abundance, that we forget that it was the Lord that got us there. So says don't, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power or the ability to get wealth, so that he may establish his covenant through those men who are following after him. He was talking to the nation of Israel. But fast forward today, God still wants to establish his covenant in the, in, in the church today, and he utilizes us to do that. He brings us together as a group, and we sow and we support so that the work of ministry can get done. Are you with me today? But don't, so wherever you are in your lot in life, don't forget it was God that got you there. And you honor him just like the Macedonian church was doing. Okay? They forgot what he had done, the great wonders he had shown them. Look at 21 and 22. Verse 21 and 22. Let's go. The miracles he did for the ancestors on the plain of zone in the land of Egypt. I'm skipping for. Look at verse number 22. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. The fire of his wrath burned against Jacob, yet his anger rose against Israel. Why? Because they forgot that it was the Lord that brought them out. Please, please don't ever forget that whatever you have in life right now, and and, and let me say this also, do not measure yourself against somebody else. Too many times in the body of Christ, uh, if we're not careful, we'll start looking at what God has done in somebody else's life and get jealous or envious or try to keep up with the Joneses. Y'all know, y'all ever heard that term before? Keeping up with the Joneses. Listen, where, wherever God has blessed you at right now, uh, be, be thankful and thankful for that. It don't mean you got to stay where you are, but while you are where you are, give him praise. You, you know, there was, a, that was a, a secular song uh, 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 years ago. It's called Started From The Bottom Now I'm Here. Y'all remember that? Some some of you may have started from the bottom, now you're up here. But when you get up here from the bottom, don't forget that you were at the bottom and God raised you up to be where you are now. Are you with me today? Because it's too easy for us to start looking at people and focusing on what others have. Because in this materialistic culture that we live in today, if you're not careful as a believer, you'll get swept up in it. But let God use you to operate in a spirit of generosity. So, so he says, for they, they did not believe God or trust him to care for him. You know, the nation of Israel, um, God's people, when you go back and read their, their history and their story, it's, the book of Judges is is, is, is is filled with their their story. Uh, God would, you know, they were his chosen people, so God was going to bring the Savior to the earth realm through that, that family of faith, Abraham's seed, right? So God was going to protect his seed but on the plected seed, he had to make sure the seed stayed righteous. And so many times, God had to, to allow them to go into captivity to get their minds back right. God had to allow them to go through valley experiences to get their mind back focused on him. And time and time again, during the period of the judges, you will see it happen. They would go whoring out the other gods. And then God would allow some, some, some disciplinary, disciplinary measure to come in their life. They would go into captivity or some, 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 some plague would happen or something would go on to, to, to cause them to start looking back up toward their God. They would repent and then God would deliver them because ultimately God wanted to protect the seed. And he would deliver them and they would start walking in prosperity again. And then after a period of time, because some were failing to teach the next generation about what the Lord had done. I want my children to know what the Lord has done in Donald Adams' life. I want my children to know what he's done in, in Moraria Adams' life. I want them to know that, listen, where, where, where we are now, and we ain't no special thing. we just people just trying to do the work of the Lord. But where we are now is not where we were when we started out 22, no, not 22, 37 years ago. God has brought us from a mighty long ways and I thank him for it, and I want my children to know that testimony. But we found out, he says, for they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. Look at, uh, skip down to 34. I got to move, come on. Verse 34, saying that when God began killing them, they finally saw Him. Now, this is his people, okay? <laughs> Hear me carefully. God, and that's why I think it's important for us to understand dispensational context, because when you take, if you take this, you're like, God was being re- very cruel. God was bringing judgment against his own people because his people had forgotten him and began to do things that were not conducive to their covenant with him. He says, when God began killing them, they finally saw him. They repented and took God seriously. Now, I need to ask you a very quick um, look, look at me, look at me, and I want you to think right quick. I want you to ask, ask, answer this question. When you're going through something, do you pray more fervently? When you're going through something, do you start seeking God a little bit more diligently? Why is that? Why have we got to wait till we got to go through something? Don't we know he's done it for us before? Don't you know that, that he's still there for us right now? Why we got to? Why we got to act up and cut up when God blesses us with more or blesses us to, to be in a certain position in life and then we forget about him and now he has to, he has to, bring, he has to allow some things to happen in our life to get us back on him? Let's just, let's just stick with God. Stay with him the whole time. When God began killing them, they finally saw him. They repented and took God, what? Talking about his people now. Verse 35, let's read. Then they remembered that God was their rock. Now, I'm skipping forward just for sake of time, but you go back and read the rest of, rest of this psalm. The psalm is talking about God's people. He says, then they remember that God was their rock, that most, the God most high was their redeemer. Keep reading. Let's go. Verse number 36 says, but all they gave him was lip service. They lied to him with their tongues. How many of you know believers that give him lip service, but they lie with their tongues? Let's keep reading. Let's go. It says what? Their hearts were not loyal to him; they did not keep his covenant. Keep reading. Yet he was merciful and forgave their sins and didn't destroy them all. Listen, I am so thankful that God doesn't destroy us and give us what we deserve, because I wouldn't be here today. I don't. You, maybe you would, but I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be. It says. It says. Yet he was merciful and gave, forgave their sins and did not destroy them all many times. How many of y'all? Your child deserved a spanking, but you gave him a little grace. Yeah. Many times he held back his anger and did not unleash his fury. I shared this with y'all one time before. I remember when I was a kid, um, and I told y'all, you know, back back then, when when dad would discipline us, the whole house got quiet. <laughs> how many how many y'all when 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 you when you got got a a, a whipping? Y'all know what that is, don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all don't know what that is, but but when when he, when he whipped, the whole house got quiet. I remember one day uh, somebody kept calling the house and and hanging up the phone. Uh, and back then you didn't have caller ID, so you couldn't identify who it was. And so so uh, I got tired of it. And so when the next phone call came in, I didn't even give him chance to speak. I just went into a Uh, it's it's a little little, uh, rhyming, uh, cursing tirade, Gary, that I learned from my friend Terry Robinson. (laughs) So, you know, Terry taught me that. (laughs) Terry was a good guy, but he wasn't wasn't nice in some areas, but he he taught me that. And I I went into this profanity-laced tirade, and guess who was on the other end of the phone? (laughs) My daddy. what did you say? I'm going to tell you behind that when I get home. And and it's one thing, I would almost rather go down and get, I would would have left, I would have rather for him leave work then and come on and get me than for me to have to think about it all day long, that mental anguish of knowing what was coming. But somewhere along the line, the Holy Ghost of God or somebody touched his heart and he spared me what I deserved and did not take me to the woodshed. And guys, so many times in our lives, God spares us what we actually deserve. I thank God I don't get what I deserve. I thank God for his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness that he he passes on discipline sometimes in my life. He says, yeah, he was merciful and forgave us their sins and did not destroy them all. Many times he held back his anger and did not unleash his, his fury. I got to keep moving, guys. Let's, let's go. This next verse says, for he remembered that they were merely mortal, gone like a breath of wind that never returns. Keep reading. He says, oh, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. 41, and we stop it here. It says what? Again and again, they tested God's patience, and provoked the Holy One of Israel. Don't be that type of Christian who tests God's patience, and provokes the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who 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 gave His very best for you and I. Don't be that type believer. Be a type believer who's willing to say, God, I'm going to put my trust in you, and I'm going to follow you if it kills me. Now get back, get back with me. I, I got to get back to uh, uh, Second Corinthians right quick, and we'll so. Jesus is always the prime example for the believer to follow, whether it's in service, sacrifice, or suffering. Everybody say service, Service. sacrifice, Sacrifice. suffering. Suffering. Many Christians today don't want to serve, they don't want to sacrifice, and they sure don't want to suffer. But I'm going to tell you, if you do it God's way, there are going to be some times uh, in your life, first, certainly service is going to be there. But there's gonna be times when you gotta sacrifice. You gotta sacrifice some time. You gotta sacrifice, and, and you gotta sac- sacrifice financial resources. You gotta sacrifice, sacrifice, uh, 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 just what you want to do. Because how many of y'all are famous for doing what you want to do? Okay, I'm the only one. God has to to break us a little bit because there are times when we we want to be on the throne. And even though God may be saying, do this, we're saying, I, God, I just... Oh God, come on now, this, this is me, God, you know me, come on. I don't, I don't roll that way, I don't move that way. God said, yeah, I know, but I'm trying to get you to move so I can use you like I want to use you. He's trying to transform our thinking, EBC. He's trying to get us to the point to where we surrender our all to him. See, we learn to give like Jesus gave. When we learn to serve, we learn to sacrifice. We learn to suffer. Then, then, then we can begin to, uh, to, to be the type of person that God desires. So if we go back to Second Corinthians eight, chapter, verse number, uh, verse number five. If we give ourselves to God, we will have little problem giving our substance to God. If we give ourselves to God, we will also give ourselves for others. Listen to me carefully. It is impossible to love God and ignore the needs of those around us who God called us to go and help serve. All right. How were the Macedonian churches given pattern after the example that Jesus said? Well, they gave themselves to God and to others. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. They gave themselves to God and to others. Their giving was motivated by love. Look at 7 and 8. Go, skip, skip down verse 7 and 8. Their giving was motivated by love. It says, since you excel in so many ways, here's what I, I told you this earlier. Since you excel in so many ways, Corinthian church, in your faith, your gifted speakers—they had some eloquent speakers. I mean, that they, they, they were preaching, draw crowds. Your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. Just like you excel, you excel in faith, gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of what Give. giving. That's what Paul told them. Look at verse. Verse eight, let's go. I'm not commanding you to do this, but notice what Paul says. By, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the, of the churches. Don't miss what he just said. Watch this. I'm not, this is a special offering for the, for the suffering churches in Jerusalem. And they had promised to help support that, but they didn't follow through. So Paul says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Wow. The eagerness of the other churches. Paul is actually giving a rebuke to the Corinthians who were so enriched with spiritual blessings. They were so wrapped up in the gifts of the spirit that they had neglected the graces of the spirit including the grace of giving. The Macedonian churches had an abundance of deep poverty, and yet they abounded in their liberality. So I keep telling you, please don't miss this. It's not how much you have. It's about the spirit of your heart and the spirit of generosity that can be uh, pervasive for anybody. The Macedonian church was very poor, the Bible says, but they, they abounded in rich generosity, the Bible says. The Corinthians had an abundance of spiritual gifts, yet they were lax in keeping their promise and sharing in the collection. See, motivation has to our motivation for whatever we do has to be has to be love. Or what you're doing is not worth a dime. If you're not doing it because of love, if you're doing it to be seen, if you're doing it to get a tax write-off, let me ask you a question: If the IRS, which I I can see this happening one day, if the IRS decided that that some of the things that we're preaching on, on Let's say, for instance, like the what uh, God's definition of marriage is. If it becomes classified as hate speech, and they say that we are no longer an organization that can be tax exempt, I want to ask you a question: Would you stop tithing because you can't write off on your taxes? I, I, I need to. I need to. I need to. I, I, this is a rhetorical question. You don't have to ask, answer it to me. Ask, but, but there are some some who some people who believe that if the and this is going to happen, guys. I'm telling you because uh, you know our government. You know, likes to control what we say in the church, and I can see a day coming when 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 they when they pop up our a live stream on YouTube, and they go tell YouTube cut them off because they said marriage is between a man and a woman. They love everybody, but they believe that God's definition is what has always been is man and woman. We love everybody, we minister to everybody, but God's definition is a marriage is man and woman. So now we're going to get censored. I can see that happen. but are you giving because you get a tax deduction or are you giving because you love Jesus? They can take away my tax deduction and I'm still going to sow into the gospel ministry because my motivation is love and not the tax benefit. Now, tax benefit is nice, but that's not what's driving me and it's not what should be driving you. Okay? So I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is. How many of you know love needs to be tested? How genuine is your love? He says, I'm, I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. So we got to learn to give willingly. Nine, nine through 12. right? Now. Let's go. It says, what? you know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago, a whole year. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give. Kind of like those folks who pledge, and they they write a big pledge card, and then they disappear and don't fulfill their pledge. Now, things could happen. I'm not talking about those folks who lost a job or something happened medically and now now all their resources are gone. I'm talking about people who who say they're going to do something and they don't follow up. And then say that they, some people say that they can't, but it's not that they can't, it's just that they hadn't prioritized uh, their spending. Some people don't because they hadn't prioritized their spending. I didn't get one amen or Some people don't. I'm going to say it until I get amen. Some people don't because they hadn't prioritized their spending. Oh, y'all want me to move on now, don't you? <laughs> Folks, let me tell you something. I promise you, and my and I did this one time, we looked back at our budget and we realized that we, we, waste, we, we waste more than the tide eating out. And some of y'all are in the same boat. I see some of y'all in the same restaurants every weekend. <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong to eat out, but, but it's wrong to eat out on God's tide. Uh, well I don't believe in the tithe grace giving then grace giving the tithe is the minimum so let's go to grace giving let's go to New Testament giving which is far beyond the 10% but some people are taking their tithe to walk-ons taking their tithes to Olive Garden nothing wrong with those places but don't take God's tithe there. <laughs> Bring it to the storehouse so there will be food in my house that Lord improve me now. Here with the Lord, hostess. if I will not pour you out a oh, wonderful heaven blessing that you won't have any to see. And I also rebuke the devourer for your sake, by the way, because he's always trying to disrupt our stuff, right? I got to finish y'all. He says, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing that. Started it, guys. 11 and 12. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give into proportion to what you have. Look at what he says in the next verse. I need to free some of y'all. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Can we read this together? Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it how? How? Eagle is what form of the, of the English language? It's an adverb that tells you how you should give. If you are, I'm going to release you. If you're giving grudgingly and it, it vex your spirit to give, keep it in your pocket because God can't bless that. And I'm saying that as your pastor. If, if you haven't learned the, the benefits of giving and you're giving grudgingly and you give them a foot, I'm going Think I got to do this, Pastor Adam, talk about this, give me, pill, give it here. God's not going to accept that. He says whatever you give is acceptable. If you give it, how? Eagerly. So make no mistake about it, God is concerned about how we do what we do. Not just that we did it. Look in our hearts. How many of y'all ever served grudgingly? Like the like the mean cafeteria, you we have to serve you <laughs> dumping the mashed potatoes in there, looking mean at the people that come by, like like they got something on them. <laughs> Take the apron off and you go home because we need some folks who are going to love on people who are marginalized, love on people that's coming Saturday who are hurting, not you over doing this in like they got. Do it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have in here. And so don't be stressed out and don't be all bent out of shape because maybe you're at this giving level right now and and you want to be up here. Just I promise you, praise God. Do what you got to do uh, vocationally or business wise and allow God to bless you because God knows if your heart is really right toward him. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Guys, God sees the heart gift and not the hand gift. If the heart wanted to give more but was unable to do so, God sees it and he records that accordingly. But if the hand gives more than the heart wants to give, God records what's in the heart, no matter how big the offering in the hand might be. You may have thought you did something, but you did it for show for performance, to get a pat on the back. But God looking at your heart and saying, that ain't very much. And he's look at that person, like the widow, who gave, uh, sacrificial, gave all she had, and says, she gave more than all the rest of them. It's a heart issue, guys. The spirit of generosity is something that, we, that should be pervasive in the hearts and the minds of every member of this church. Because God is trying to do something through us. I was so blessed by our uh, missions outreach wins, and go back and look at the live stream of that. Uh, we've partnered with uh, some. God has given us a relationship with some 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 powerful, God honoring, God fearing people who who want to serve those who need our help. So I told you, plug in. There's so much to be done, guys. So much to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, so much ministry to be done, and we need your help. We don't need you just to sit back and say, well, you know, like, I'm going to give yeah, give money, but get involved. Because as you serve together, first of all, we show the body of Christ, we show the world the body of Christ working in concert together. All right? And the world needs to see that. And, and, And it also helps you to grow spiritually when you serve other people. Can I get a witness? And we give by faith, guys. It's so important. Paul is not suggesting that the rich become poor so that the poor might become rich. But Paul says there should be an equality in the whole procedure. The Gentiles were enriched spiritually by the Jews, so the Jews should be enriched materially by the Gentiles. By the way, this was a Gentile church. All right? By the way, this was a a church that had ethnic diversity. You study Corinth. There was a lot of ethnic diversity in the Church of Corinth. The Church of Corinth is now being encouraged to sow into the, the Jewish Christian church who were suffering. Ain't that something? So, guys, we got to make sure that we have the right mindset. Now, uh, I gotta get I got I gotta close this, but I, I I want y'all to hear my heart. The spirit of generosity is something that we should embrace whole wholeheartedly and start investing in what matters most. That, that sixth chapter of Matthew, which says, for a man, where a man's treasure that was heart be also, guys. That is crucially important. The key to understanding the commandment in that verse and and the rest of that that passage is is that we should not store up treasures for ourselves where moth and rust does corrupt. Because guys, all of us got stuff that that we can't take with us. Are y'all with me? How many of you know we got stuff that we cannot take with us? Wealth. Hear me, hear me this, and I'm, I'm closing this. Wealth will either leave us while we live or we will leave it when we die. Either way, it's leaving. Look at the to neighbor. It's leaving. It's going to leave you while you're living or we're going to leave it when we die. Why not let God use what we have to advance his kingdom principles? And let's do that with a spirit of generosity. God was so generous when he gave his only begotten Son. Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary for every last one of us in here. He so loved the world, John 3.16 says, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have what? Everlasting. Everlasting life. The greatest gift that could have ever been given was given by the father. He showed his generosity and he desires those who are part of him to show the exact same generosity. Are you willing to do that? Are you really willing to sacrificially give your time, your talent, your resources to help others come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior? I pray that you are. If you had bowed back close.